0: Okay, so today we're going to continue this conversation on the life and the afterlife. And I want to talk about a couple of different things. It may be a bit abstract today, but hopefully, over the course of the next 45 minutes, we'll be able to kind of unpack and understand. The mind, the intellect, the brain knowledge, the mind creates distinctions, no matter how profound an understanding of the soul is, when that understanding is articulated, let's say in the language of philosophy or in the language, in any type of language. There's going to be duality and separateness. It's not going to be essence. It's not going to be one. The moment you have an understanding, there's duality. I'm going to explain this for you. The Kabbalists actually take us a bit beyond this particular paradigm. So if you take a look at philosophy, philosophers who speak of the soul as a superior intelligence that's created by its creator and it possesses an existence of its own, separated from its source, The mystics view the soul as part of the divine, that it's a direct emanation from the emanator. So, philosophers will talk about a separate existence, mystics, Kabbalists will talk about a direct connection. The soul is part of the divine. And never separated. So the idea, the biblical idea, that we're created in the image of God, that we're created in the divine image, is not simply seen as an abstract or an illusion. It's not a metaphor. But according to Kabbalah, we take this literally. We are created In the image of the creator. We are created in the image of God. That deep within our heart, there's a spark of the infinite. An aspect of the personality of the infinite. Of the personality of God. That is not part of creation. But it's an actual part of the creator. This spark is divine property. You know, people wear shirts that says property of. There's a spark within us that's property of the creator. Continuously. And this divine property links a finite human to the awesome power of the infinite. We have within us the infinite. We, meaning the soul, as it's connected to the body, is limited. It's limited because of the limitations of the body. But we also have within us something that's not limited. We have within us a spark of the creator. And it's not that the creator created it and you have, you know, the inspiration. For example, like uh, a carpenter that, that carves a table. So you have the inspiration of the carpenter or, or a designer that designs a room. So you can walk into a room and you have the inspiration of the room. No, constantly, constantly there is still the creator within the creation, We cannot separate ourselves from the creator. There is a piece of the creator within us. Now, the intellectual element of the soul has the ability to lead us to the door and point us in the right direction, so to speak. So the divine soul actually takes us through the door. With the rational soul, I'm just using these concepts because I know that you know them already. I don't have to explain them. So the divine soul takes us through the door. And the rational soul, we can contemplate and ponder and even understand the oneness of the creator. But it's only with the divine soul that we're actually able to open that door and walk through it. So. As to actually experience and sense the incredible truth of infinite oneness, that takes a divine soul. So ideally, we want to use that infinite potential, which is a piece of God, a piece of the creator. We use that creator to guide our lives. And we use our rational soul once we've gotten or made that choice or, in this metaphor, gotten into the room to understand what we've done and the choice that we made. Where so often, it's the opposite way around. And that's what's so beautiful. I always think about that statement the Jewish people said when they um, accepted the Torah. When the Torah describes the scene at Sinai when God offered the Torah, the response that the Jewish people gave to the Torah was, we will do and then we'll ask questions later. That is what, according to Kabbalah, the way that we want to guide our lives. Let the infinite potential within us, let the divine soul within us guide us and then ask questions later. Don't be a philosopher before the job is done. So often, well, I don't know. I don't believe. I've told you the story before, but I think about this as a as a good metaphor. I was I was once a, approached someone. Uh, I was a teenager. And I, and I was walking around uh, a park, and I was asking uh, um, Jewish men if they wanted to put on tefillin. And I approached this man, and, uh, and, he's, and, and I asked him, are you Jewish? And he said, yes. And I said, would you like to put on tefillin? And he said, look in my hand. I have a ham sandwich. To which I smiled and said, but the ham sandwich is in your right hand, and tefillin goes in the left hand. Guiding by the principles of our godly soul has nothing to do with what's in the right hand. You don't have to understand. Maybe one day you will understand. Maybe the second after you do it, you understand. But you don't have to understand in order to do a mitzvah. You don't have to understand in order to allow your divine soul the peace of the infinite the peace of the creator to guide your moves and your motives. You allow the infinite to guide and then eventually whether it's today tomorrow or 50 years from now eventually or maybe even never but it could be that you will you will understand it but one has nothing to do with the other.
1: Rabbi, can I ask a question here? Please. So that statement of like, do now, ask questions later, it just feels really cultish to me. Mm. So how do we, because we are human and we have a lot of influences and our environment and our upbringing and the confusion in some of us can be really strong. And so in order to do, doesn't there do before we kind of know doesn't there have to be some place that we feel it I, I mean we call it gut or heart or wherever that like this is what I should be doing I mean you know some of the it's with very common sense of course you know the right from wrong but I, I mean I I I think of experiences you know, that, I, that I've that i seen or, or read about that it, it's, it gets people in trouble because mm-hmm. we don't have that. We're not sure what path we're supposed to be on because we don't have that connection or that that little aha uh-huh inside. You know what I'm
0: asking? I think it's a very important question. And I think so often about the various influences in our life and how they play roles into the way that we do and, and behave and and, and experience, and 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 there's always going to be that lingering question. Today, there's a lot of trust but verify type of conversation. So, give me give me an example. Like you said, and I think the 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 example of things that are common sense is common sense. Give me an example you, that you can think of a mitzvah that's not common sense that you would think. And I'm going to use your example that if you didn't understand it before you did it, it would feel cultish. I just, I just need an example.
1: Oh, I'd have to know the mitzvahs better than that to give you an example.
2: Um, I, could I have, throw out an example? Sure, Thank please. The, the, the assumption that
0: Jews are the chosen souls. That's not a mitzvah. That's, okay. That we can debate. That's not a mitzvah, but that's see see there see that's a good example. That's a good example of you don't have to accept that. We can discuss it. We can have this many discussions on that. But what we're talking about is specifically a mitzvah. So Shabbat. Shabbat.
3: I was just going to say the same thing: keeping Shabbat.
0: Yeah, Shabbat is a good example. It's not necessarily uh, do not murder or do not steal. Uh, Shabbat is a mitzvah that that we do to um be, because it's it's considered what's called an eight, it's a testimonial commandment. God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. When we rest on the seventh, we're like God and we are testimony to God's existence. That was explaining Shabbat in less than 30 seconds. There's a lot more to it, but there's there's so many nuances to Shabbat. Now it's really, really hard to know everything before you start. Yet, if you, if anyone has ever experienced Shabbat, right away they'll tell you that it was the difference was, let's say, in our twenty twenty two brains that I put away my phone for twenty five hours. You know, I put away my technology for twenty five hours. All of a sudden, once you experience it, you can already see that there's a particular value. And again. And I think that Shabbat is a good example because the point of it is not to find the value and the experience but rather your experiences that you're experiencing this direct connection with the Creator you're literally mimicking the Creator so you so you're really exposing that part of the Creator that's within you by mimicking the Creator now we can debate all the nuances of Shabbat from today till tomorrow but it's not going to change that experience. That experience can only be truly appreciated when experienced. It's kind of like swimming. So I don't consider someone who jumps in the pool without knowing how to swim. I'm not saying go jump, jump in the deep end, but you jump in the shallow end, not jump, but walk into the shallow end without knowing how to swim and then start the process of swimming, experience what it's like being in the pool. I can stand you on the side of the pool, and we can talk and philosophize about swimming from today till tomorrow. But I don't consider the person who walked into the shallow end of the pool feeding into the Kool-Aid of the colt. Is that fair? I think
2: it's fair. I understand that. And I mean, if we we live in the world of action, I think that's not a debatable, personally, idea. And so I understand the doing. Um, but I gotta say, I'm with I'm with the Jill. Just because of my background, it's it's hard to turn off the intellectual side and not ask. Questions and just blind blindly observe sometimes when things don't feel so so natural. So let me
0: clarify. Okay. Nobody asks to blindly observe. You can even ask questions while you're observing. What I'm saying is that ask questions while observing, instead of ask question then observe. Nobody asks for blind faith.
2: Thank you. I like how you put that. That clicked. Yeah. Thank you. Yes.
0: Which means going back to the pool. Why should you why should I have why should I sit here explaining to you how to swim, jump into the pool or sorry, walk into the pool and then let's go over different processes of how to swim. But you're already in the pool. Whereas you say, no, 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 no. Until I understand that every nuance and process of swimming, I'm not walking into the pool. And what's interesting about the metaphor of the pool is that there's some people who can have trauma attached to water. And so it's hard. So, yes. And and, and I think that to a certain extent, there is a lot of trauma and, and, and there is a lot of extreme. We live in a world of extremes. And I think it's important that we remember that Judaism, mitzvah, Kabbalah, does not live in a world of extremes. It lives in a world of nuance. So what we're asking is not blind faith. What we're asking is let the divine soul guide you. And once you've opened the door, I didn't say once you've been in the room for 10 years. Once you've opened the door and put your first foot through the door, then start asking questions. And believe me, you, we know how to ask questions. And we will never stop. And one of the most fundamental and most important elements of Judaism is asking questions. Right? The Passover Seder is supposed to be an example of a typical dinner in a Jewish home. And the first thing we do is we turn to the children and say, ask questions. It's fundamental. We teach our children from the time they're very young, ask. But there's a caveat here. Don't let your question stop your experience. experience, and the moment while you're experiencing it, ask the questions. Walk through the door. It takes a little bit of faith. Walk through the door. The moment you get your first foot in that door, ask away. Don't ask the questions before you go to the Passover Seder, which means (laughs) what we said is come to the Seder, and while you're experiencing the Seder, ask the questions. but the child who's going to say i don't know about this egypt thing i don't know about this passover thing i don't know about this whole thing i don't think i'm going to join you because i have too many questions what we say to that child is you're missing the experience and your your desire for answers not even it's not even desire for answers your desire your knowledge and your fear of getting quote-unquote sucked into it is blocking you from experiencing. And then you miss the point. Sit at the Seder, experience Passover, and while you're sitting there and while you're experiencing, ask as many questions as you want. Does this clarify your question, Jill?
1: Yes, yeah. It's helpful. The analogy of like going into the shallow end is 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 helpful. So that man with the ham sandwich, did he ever wrap the tefillin? He did. That's interesting. I like I like that too, the ham sandwich and right hand tefillin in the left.
0: And it doesn't stop. You see, that's the point. Because what we're talking about is connecting to the godly soul and letting the godly soul guide us. The ham sandwich is a different conversation for a different time. Right. It doesn't stop allowing that connection with the godly soul to experience.
1: We don't have to be perfect before we enter
0: into these experiences. Exactly. And you don't have to go confess about all the other things you didn't do <laughs> before entering into those experiences.
1: Oh, how sad. You know, as a, you know, even as a Jew in a Christian society, that's so ingrained, even though I've never been to confession, it's just that whole, got to clear all of this up.
0: (laughs) right? And also because, because we are so ingrained in this Christian society, we become so used to, well, I don't do that right. And I don't do that right. Why should I bother doing that?
2: Oh, (laughs) I relate to that. It, It. I relate to that very much. And the question that's been going around in my brain a lot lately is, is who I am, Celeste, my being, being totally authentically myself. Can I still fit in to this, to this community and still be the imperfect me that I am without dropping, you know, like big chunks of myself. Right. Along the way.
0: Right. And, and no one asked you to not be Celeste. No one asked you to not your life experience and your and what what's beautiful about is it is that you can now bring your life experience. You can bring all of the elements and the facets of your being into the experience.
1: We'll be back after a quick break.
2: Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere?
0: Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers?
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix.
0: And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker.
2: Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits.
0: So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: very true. The only person I think that's ever limited me in this journey is me. No no one else
1: has. Exactly what I was thinking, that we ask ourselves not to be ourselves.
4: Okay. That's why we need to remember that the day we were born is the day when God decided that the world needed us as we are.
0: Exactly. So and God that's needs- what we have to continue to tell our children even after the bat mitzvah. I will keep telling you. You matter, you matter. Do you, be you. But it's such it- an important, you know, it seems it seems so obvious, but it's not obvious. There's this intrinsic idea that's I don't know when it started, but in our society that we don't matter. But we matter, each of us.
4: where do you see that we don't matter sorry like
0: I don't know you know one of the one of the issues that I see so often that people have are these low self-esteems that people don't feel for whatever reason they don't feel like they matter I, I see it so often maybe not in this group but I do see this often there's this intrinsic idea the same way that people feel like they have to confess about everything before they do anything, people feel like they don't matter. You know, the, our, our synagogue is right next door to the most popular Chinese restaurant in Montreal. Just to understand that it's so popular in the Jewish community, the Chinese restaurant closes two nights a year. Yom Kippur and the first night of Passover. And the owner, who's a wonderful man, I've gotten to know him very well. Our neighbor, he he said that over ninety percent of his clientele is Jewish. And when I I wanted to do a kosher evening with him, I thought it'd be really fun to bring you know to do like the you know the Chinese place goes kosher for a night. Obviously, we couldn't use his kitchen, but we would use if like, we bring all the chefs to our synagogue kitchen and we do an evening and he refused to make the egg rolls without the pork. He's like, no way. It's not going to taste the same. There's no way. There's no way possible. It's a chicken. No, no, no. Impossible beef. Nope. It wouldn't last in Boulder. (laughs) Exactly. And so I often will be standing outside the synagogue just talking to someone or on the phone because I want to get some air. And someone will walk over to me and and start apologizing. And the first time it happened, I didn't know what they were saying. And then it took me like two or three minutes to to compute that they're actually apologizing for going into the non-kosher Chinese restaurant next door. But it still happens on a regular basis. People will be getting out of their car, see me standing there. I wonder if there's ever people who park their car, look at me standing there, and don't go into the Chinese restaurant because I'm standing there. I don't know. I can't tell you that story. But I can tell you on a regular basis, people will walk over to me. I didn't look at them. I was minding my own business. I don't even know them. And they will be apologizing, confessing to me. before they go into the Chinese restaurant, or we have the, the egg rolls in their hands apologizing. I have nothing to do with it. It's between you and God. Don't get me involved.
4: You should make a roll-up poster with you and, uh, and the owner of the restaurant shaking hands, you know, so you can relieve people's consciences.
0: Oh, I, I wanted to do a pop-up confessional outside the restaurant. But it's so not Jewish. But it's it's amazing this 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 idea that we have in our minds. And yes, obviously, I'm saying this a bit tongue in cheek, but it's true that that it's amazing how much we're influenced. And that's not our way. I'm not necessarily condoning that people are going and eating uh, uh, pork filled uh, egg rolls in a Chinese restaurant, but that's between you and God. And it doesn't exclude you from any other mitzvah and that is the the story and the narrative that we're talking about here it's it's that that's the guiding narrative is that if you allow the godly soul to guide yes we are human beings yes we're not perfect but nobody asked us to be perfect And definitely, we don't have to be perfect before doing a mitzvah. Julianne, actually, if, since you made that, 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 that comment, I'll tell you, the issue has nothing to do with the Chinese restaurant and again on Yom Kippur, because the Chinese restaurant is closed on Yom Kippur. Well, the issue is the other side of the synagogue is a croissant, bakery. And so every single Saturday morning, or even Yom Kippur, when you're walking into the synagogue, all you smell is butter. That's much harder for Yom Kippur than the Chinese food. I mean, we're sandwiched in between this really nice French pastry shop and the Chinese restaurant. And the French pastry shop, every morning, it smells, you just smell the butter. I mean, it's just oh, it's all over the place. What can you do? Definitely can't win. So we have Rabbi,
3: I think I think Farmi's had his hand up for a really oh, long I, time. I apologize.
0: I didn't even see it. Fami. Yeah, please.
3: I saw it. So I don't know. I thought I'd tell you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
5: did I have a question. What's the difference between what you said and being tam in, in
0: Yiddish? And being what? Tam. A Tam. Tam. T T A M. Yes. Tam means which means two things. It could either mean a, a, a simple person. Yeah. Who doesn't ask questions, or it could be taste. Tom also means taste in Hebrew.
5: You know, I'm I'm, I'm saying about, about the first one. being being tam. He's I mean, I mean saying follow. the third,
0: we, we we call this the third son at the Passover Seder, The Tam
5: i'm 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 saying i'm saying being innocent but i mean follow i mean
0: somebody who who follows so 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 and i'll use i'll go back to the passover seder to use this distinction we we create a distinction of four sons the wise i don't like the term the russia which is not the wicked necessarily the the we'll call the person the chilled out or the you know the the one who's apathetic The Tom, which is what we call the simple. Yeah. And then the one that doesn't know what to ask. The point is, is that they're all sitting at the Seder. You understand? So what we're not talking about is a Jewish experience. We're talking about an individual's experience. But they all have one thing in common. They're sitting at the Seder. Whether or not they're apathetic or they have wisdom or they don't know the questions to ask, it doesn't matter. Because they're all experiencing. So there are some people, and we have to be careful with those people, and I I approach that. And knowing good and well that there are people who are somewhat, trying to find the right word, are easier to influence without asking questions. We'll call them the Toms of the world. We have to be careful with that because that's the nature of a human being where they have more blind faith. Judaism is not about blind faith. Blind faith means you do it and you never ask questions. Or you do it and you're not allowed to ask questions. Judaism is you do it and while you're doing it, ask. But don't preclude yourself from doing it because. You didn't ask all the questions you wanted to ask, Fama, You understand? I understand,
5: but I mean, I think being Tom, it makes your life. I mean, it
0: it it it, it have its own virtue. It's like it makes your life easier. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. It makes your life easier. I'll tell you. Every personality is different. I could never be a person who just did things and never asked. So I know I could never. That's not my personality. So I know I've met people who that's their personality and I'm happy for them. And they have different challenges, probably not the challenge of trying to navigate a world. And like Jill, your antennas going up and saying Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, cult, cult. Some people are, are, are good with that. I, I can't relate to it. So you'd have to ask someone who can relate to that.
5: But, yeah, but sometimes the answer will take time to come. You, you, you cannot see it right away. Sometimes the answer will, I mean, it, it, you no. will understand the facts
0: oh. after. And, and what you're saying is 100% right. Nobody said that you're going to get answers. Because answers we can't control. We're just saying ask the questions.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So nobody said that you no, nobody answers don't always you're right, it takes years to come. So there, yeah, and, and and there are answers we'll never get. There are answers yeah. that we ask ourselves every single day and we never get answers for. In mm. our entire life, we'll never get answers because we're limited to time and space. And there's no way to answer this question within the confines of time and space. Yeah. But it doesn't stop us from asking it.
5: Yeah, yeah. hundred percent
0: And asking it every day. Thank you. And I would, I would hate if Judaism took away my inquisitive nature and my ability to ask questions, even if I'm not getting answers.
5: Because the but some people get stuck there. I mean, you you can well, ask that's questions. That's what I'm but, saying.
0: Yeah. You ask it while you're at the seder. You don't ask it instead of going to the seder. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah,
5: yeah. One hundred percent, yeah, One hundred percent.
0: Cheryl, please.
3: Cheryl, you're muted. Cheryl, you're muted. Thank you. I was thinking of the example, not in Judaism, but just as you said, the not knowing, Tommy, Tom. I'm thinking before, you know, in the U.S., before politics became crazy in the trump era i really was not into politics at all i didn't know who was secretary of state or who was you know in leadership roles and then all of a sudden it's in my face it's mm-hmm. absolutely in my face i was happier not knowing all this nonsense and crazy that was going on so to your point fine Sometime, but then, who was it, Joe? No, it was Alessandro who said, well, simple isn't the point. And it was like, now I'm obsessed with it and now that's just another thing that makes me meshuggie is the politics of what's going on in this country. My country, not your country. So, I would have rather been the simple person, I guess. That was my point. No, that's baby. not
0: the way God made you. I know. And that's my point, is that there are some people who that's the way God made them and I guess they have other challenges. So what are we taking away today? Alexandra, why don't you start? What are we what are you taking out of this today?
4: It's difficult to unmute yourself. Um I like that we have the truth inside us. And, uh, you know, it opens the door to the path, but still we need to want to connect to the truth. So I think that's what people call soul searching, you know, trying to find yourself in in different terminologies, but I, I like that we have the ability to connect to the truth, and it's a matter of action, wanting to do it. So that's what I, that's what I take from today's conversation. And I will pass it on to Jen. Thank
3: you, um, and thank you to. Jill, for asking your question, because I was struggling with that same concept, and that that really helped a lot to have that discussion. Um, I think the takeaway for today is you don't have to be perfect, which is something I need to write down and put in big letters across the top of my wall. But um, I'll pass to Cheryl. Thanks, Jen. I wrote down something that I, I guess I struggled with where you said we all have an infinite spark of the creator, but it's not part of creation. So I know it's unique to us. How do we necessarily find what that little spark is? And is that spark our gut intuition? That is that guide. And all of us have different intuitions as to how to move forward. I just didn't, I struggled with the part that it's not part of creation. Because if God made us, you kind of defined, we're part of the creator, not the creation. I don't know, it's just a word thing. Go ahead. You can respond if you would like. Maybe I'm going you're to respond
0: explained. only, which I generally don't like to respond during these uh, this time. Oh, but I'm going to respond because it's such an important element. It's such a key component of what we spoke about today. And that is, is that there's a part of you that is beyond creation. Creation is limiting. This is the unlimited part of us. Is the part of us that is part of the creator, which means it's not limited by creation. Is this the Homer part? Yes. Okay. No, it's it's not the Homer part. It's the opposite, it's the Sura part.
3: Oh, the yeah, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. The yeah, that's the okay. Sura part. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You
0: can pass it I'll pass
3: it to Jill, yeah. Thank you.
1: <clears throat> so, so much to think about as, as usual. But I loved your analogy of kind of going into the shallow end. And so for me, believing that I have this godly soul inside of me, even if I don't have this overwhelming evidence that that's the case, but believing it and then acting as if, even in all of my mistakes and challenges with the hope, and I think I've, Actually, been able to experience a little bit of just these little experiences or inclinations that, oh yeah, that that is something I can really feel because I don't think it's something I can, you know, think it. I can't make sense of it with my head and my mind. So it's got to be some kind of whole body, like Cheryl. Like I don't know where I would feel it, but I kind of know it when I've felt it in the past for those brief seconds. So, you know, you, you were saying before that there's no, we may never know the answer. I'm not sure if I wasn't getting any kind of hit someplace that I could keep going, keep asking the questions without, you know, turning off and searching on another path, but somehow this, I'm believing it at least right now, and I'm going to go with it. So um, I'm going to pass it on to Hava.
2: Thanks, Chela. Uh did The intellect, when our rational soul is in play, it, there's always duality. That's something that I'm going to be thinking about for a bit in terms of in that, within that duality and using my rational mind, what kind of control do I have to not let the duality beat me up and drag me in one way or the other to just be more centered within that duality. And, and maybe that will silence some of the noise up here. Alana, are you ready? I, I really don't have anything to uh, to add, so I'm just going
4: to uh, pass to uh, Fami.
5: Uh, thank you. So uh, I want to maybe develop a little bit. But, uh, when I said time, so sometimes you ask questions, that's 100%, but sometimes you have to take decisions. So what do you do? Something you don't know. You, you don't know the answer and maybe the answer will be given to you in in years or it will never come as you said your rabbi. so in that context i think being tam and trusting god and and, and and putting and putting and putting like the way of the torah and the mitzvot and taking the action in, a, in according to these principles it's a it's a good way it's what you should we should do that's what i meant by being calm it's not just because sometimes yes you, you have to but sometimes you have to take decision what, what what do you do you will wait like for 10 years or, or sometimes it will never come the answer you can ask questions for, of course but sometimes you have to do a or b or c or d so that's in in this this is myself in this case when i am faced in these uh, situations I think being calm and trusting God and letting the Godly soul speak is our best guess.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read uh, Julian's uh, uh, reflection and then I want to give you a little reflection myself. Um, Julian says, God limited as it were himself in order to create so we're part of that infinite oneness beyond everything else. But God has no parts so in a sense we're all one. It depends on how we look at it. What perspective or level, I suppose. Maybe creation is the illusion of parts, divisions, and separation. I want to um, <clears throat> kind of clarify a bit of what Fami said and use Chava and Jill's reflections for that. So what Chava said was a very powerful idea, is that, the duality, the separateness happens when we're guiding ourselves based on the rational soul, not when we're guiding ourselves based on the divine soul. That's where the, that's where, that's where the questions are. So if someone is the Tom, like you're saying, Fabi, someone is not asking questions. In the world of the rational soul, that's going to be very confusing. What we do is there is a clarity. There is a, a, a and and Jill, what Jill said, also kind of clarifies that, yes, it's true. You're going to get answers or little, I don't I say, call them answers. They're little uh, uh, commercials, you know, little guiding, little previews, little, Little moments, little ideas, and they will guide you, but those are coming from the godly soul. And so, when we have to make that decision, what Kabbalah is asking us to do is to make the decision from the godly soul, and then the rational soul can debate it once it's done. Mm. Because if we make the decision based on the rational soul, and we can all relate to this, because myself, and I can imagine everyone else here, has had these moments where you make decisions and you're not sure, and you you have what do they call buyer's remorse.
5: Mm.
0: That is decisions based on the rational soul. When you make the choice, when you enter the room, you have to know that it's the godly soul that guided that. Once you're there, you can start asking the questions. But if you're going to start making decisions based on the rational soul, there's always going to be the duality. There's always going to be confusion. And that's not what we want. We want to be able to teach ourselves to make decisions that exists above the duality. It's interesting that Julian is using the example of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. I don't want to use that example. It's a a whole conversation all on its own because that is a very difficult... We're not... I always say that you know, when it talks about biblical figures, and this is a different conversation, but I I relate much more to the Josephs than the Abrahams. I don't understand how somebody can I don't understand that question. I I mean, but yes, you're right that that the rational soul would have questioned him along. And obviously, his divine soul was a very different type of divine soul than maybe my divine soul that's been tainted by uh by cult-like experiences and people who decide to use god in the name of extreme things and i can't get that out of it out of my out of my who i am and i think that many people living in this society can't get it out of who they are so it's hard to today to relate to the abraham to know that there are moments when you have to sacrifice isaac because God said without questioning, I don't know. I can't get into that. That's too much for me. But I can relate to the Joseph who has to make really hard decisions in a very real world. Mm-hmm. Guy Guides those decisions based on his godly soul and then afterwards can look back and say, you see, it was God's plan turn to his brothers and say, God brought me here so that I can save you and the world. Mm -hmm. But he's saying that after a life of difficult decisions and having to deal with the ramifications of those decisions and perhaps having to be punished in this world for some of them, like sitting in jail. So that I, I think Joseph is much more an example of who we are and, and and what we are. In any case, we're we're already over time today, but this is it's an interesting, all these are very interesting perspectives. And I, I hope that at least we were able to get this, this idea clear about the 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 duality of the rational soul and the godly soul guiding the choices we make and then asking questions after. Those are the two. Main ideas I wanted to bring out today, and I hope that those were were clear at least. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Have a
3: good day, everybody.
0: Have a good day for those of you who are staying for Tomwood.
3: Thank we'll
0: you. Tom in uh, two minutes, hi everybody. Could i just hi. say two quick things. Yeah.
5: Um, thank you. But firstly, I'm, I super appreciate you recording it because I'm because I came late. I'm really sorry. Um, the, the second one is. Um, I don't know if you saw my Tom question or my Tom Thumb question, but I, I, I ended up uh wondering if 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 Thomas might be a Hebrew name, because <coughs> it sounds very like
0: that's very funny. Uh not that I know of, but I could see how you uh could try to 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 think of it that way. But not that I know of. Uh, thank you. Okay. Let's start uh Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a thank good day. You.
5: you have a good day, Yoruba. Thank you.
0: Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course,